Hello and welcome to the Freelancer Creative Exchange podcast, where we discuss everything from freelancing, being a solopreneur, Web3 technology, and AI. I'm your host, James Oldham. I've been full-time in Web3 for two years as a content strategist and a front-end developer. My guest today is Yen Ling, a fellow freelancer and in charge of the development arm of uh, Creatives at Work, uh, building Freelancing 101. So, Yen Ling, I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit as well. Hi, everyone. Thanks, James, for asking me to be on the show today. Uh, I've been freelancing and running my own multiple businesses for the past 10 plus years. But yes, more recently, as Jason mentioned, I have been in charge of training and education for creators at work, uh, specifically uh, in the freelancing and the business of freelancing. Perfect. So the title for this podcast is Decentralizing Education and uh, Looking at the Future of On-Chain Credentials. So I'm very excited for this one. I think there's a lot to talk about um, when you look at kind of uh, Web3 technology and uh, what you're building with Freelancing 101. So uh, yeah, if you want to kind of take off Yinling and kind of explain a little bit about Freelancing 101 and everything that uh, you guys are doing over there. So for maybe a little bit of background first for Freelancing 101, creators at work first started training, you know, eight, nine years ago. This was um, way back when in Singapore, creators and freelancers in particular were sort of falling through the gaps. Everyone knew that they were around, but there was no one consolidated place where people were gathering or uh, there was no structure for them to grow in terms of the career. Uh, creators at work, as most of you know by now, we are uh, in the business of matching freelancers to uh, own their, their projects or brand owners or bigger clients. So we were in this very unique position of having the angle of being the clients as well as being vendors and being freelancers. Most of us were freelancing also at that point of time. But because we had this huge range or this umbrella site, right? This oversight of the industry. A lot of freelancers came to us and started asking us repeated questions. Things like, hey, what should I do when the client approaches me with this question? Or how should I price myself? What should I do if uh, I'm encountered with this situation? So after a while, we just decided, let's set up a training program and let's answer all these questions at one go. So that's where we came up with our freelancing bootcamp, right? Eight years down the road, uh, we started to formalize it a little bit more. We came up with, uh, the bootcamp became something that was more regular, uh, happening every year. We started to get invited by uh, schools, by the Singapore government, by uh, companies down to train their own uh, audience, right? Sometimes it's their own staff, you know, how to deal with freelancers. And just last year, we decided, hey, this is, this is bringing us somewhere. And that's where we decided to set up the training arm of Creators at Work called Freelancing 101. So um, with that, we have also uh, started to create a more formalized syllabus and we started to bring it online because during COVID, that was when we realized people 
you know, had to pivot very quickly in their careers. They had to continue learning, otherwise they would fall behind. And it was never as apparent as during uh, the COVID period, the two, three years during where everybody was all very isolated. The industries were being messed up left, right, center. And if you didn't catch up, you were going to fall behind very quickly. So we had to bring everything online. And so that's also where we decided Freelancing 101 was going to be an online training center with the supplement of face-to-face workshops if the opportunity arised. And inside Freelancing 101, in terms of like the courses that you teach and train, are they freelancing courses in general or do you go more specific into specific niches such as uh, development or social media management? Well, for now, we are focusing a lot on the, the general business of freelancing and that can be very wide and very varied in terms of the different types of topics that's covered. Social media is one of it in terms of how you should go ahead and promote yourself. Business side of it might also include the legalities of freelancing. Uh, How do you deal with your IP? How should you negotiate with your clients? Why we focus on the business side of things is because we feel as a freelancer, as a creative, you should be the master of your craft. whatever you choose to do, whether you're a videographer, a designer, illustrator, or a web developer, you are the expert. We are not. We are just here to help you advance in your career and help you spot blind spots in places where you might not have the strengths in. And that usually for creatives is the business side of things. How do you do your finances? Right? Do you even incorporate yourself as a company or should you remain an individual? We touched on all these kinds of topics. However, that is just for now. We foresee that in the mid to long term, we might go a little bit more into uh, the craft uh, sides of things, uh, specifics. Why? Uh, it is not to compete with other sites such as Skillshare, for example, Udemy, right? But we do want to open up this platform to our freelancers or people who are a little bit more advanced in their craft and allow this platform to be one where they are able to share their own expertise and hopefully also open up an additional source of revenue for them. So we will... Uh, we can work on a profit share model where they are sharing, for example, um, James, you you are great at Web3. You have a wealth of knowledge over there. You want to share a little bit more on our platform, right? You can come on as a trainer, share what you know, what you're good at, uh, and what other freelancers might want to know a little bit more on. And from there, we work on a profit share model. Awesome. I want to kind of dive a bit deeper and maybe expand off this decentralization of education idea. Um, decentralization is a very, a very web three term. Uh, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not usually used in the sense of education, but I think to break that kind of down, I think, you know, COVID freelancing, this gig economy, remote work, I think we're all, we can kind of see the direction works going right. More people are working from home. Um, and when I kind of talk about decentralized decentralization of education, it's really about, uh, 
how else other than the very central way of educating yourself, which is really school or university, how else can you kind of educate yourself and um, on, on a specific topic, right? So, you know, things like things like YouTube have become extremely popular. Uh, obviously, Freelancing 101 is a perfect example of these kind of individual courses or, or training programs for you to kind of level up uh, different skills. And so you kind of get to like, you look at like a CV and CVs are becoming quite outdated because it's quite hard for you to list, you know, you did a, a 12 week web development course and then you, <laughs> you learned uh, off three different YouTube videos, how to kind of do something, for example. And so that's really where NFTs do come into play. Um, how you can, you know, uh, with the use of on-chain credentials, you can uh, essentially, let's say in freelancing 101, you have the 12 week or let's say a let's say a six month or a four month web development course when yep. you complete that course what kind of trophy or certificate can you get which is actually verifiable and provable on your cv and the the answer to that is really uh through the use of an nft so an on-chain nft credential that once you complete that course that's kind of like your certificate and I yeah. guess that's kind of the first part of the conversation. The second part of the conversation is really these platforms such as LinkedIn or any kind of platform where you find work. It could be Upwork for them to essentially catch up. And I know LinkedIn is working on something similar to this. I think they've just got, uh, they've just updated. I think they're going to roll out like verified tech similar to Instagram. Yeah. But it's essentially waiting for these platforms to wake up or not wake up, but it kind of um, uh, allow NFTs to integrate with their platform. So I always use the example, I can make a LinkedIn account and I can say that I graduated from Harvard University with a law degree. Um, and so yeah. the whole kind of, the whole idea around these on-chain credentials is to really stop people lying. I think, I think there's a statistic yeah. like 76% of people are lying on their CV, which I, I, I think that's probably accurate. And I think <laughs> I might be part of that statistic, to be honest. <laughs> and so how can you prove that, you know, James or Yen Ling graduated from, you know, Harvard University with a law degree? Um, yeah. Well, you could do that if your uh, graduation certificate was an NFT, which was only given to the people who uh, obviously graduated and, can only be shown on your profile if you have that NFT, right? So yeah. that kind of idea of being able to verify ownership of something. I think the direction that we're moving, you know, stems from a couple of issues that we have had in the past. One is, as you mentioned, James, is the credibility of online profiles or everybody is so remote right now, right? Uh, like, for example, James and I, we have been working together um, on the creators at work for a few months, but we haven't actually met face-to-face. -face. Um, so, uh, but that that's very natural nowadays and we're not the only ones doing that. That's happening all around the world, right? Um, and so how do you have that credibility of, um, uh, of one another without actually meeting that person? And not only that even if you have met that person you know uh, at least in Singapore I, I think this is happening all around the world as well 
where you find people in positions for you know a good few years, 10 years, 15 years sometimes. And then some for one reason or another, somebody decided to do a background check on them. And you realize everything that their career is built upon or everything that they say that they have been doing has all been a lie, right? Um, like, for example, you said they, you graduated from Harvard and no one <laughs> did their due diligence to do a check and it was only found out, you know, years after the fact that they never actually went to that university and got that degree or got that diploma, whatever it was. So that was one of it. A second one is where you see nowadays that, education system or the content that's coming out, the syllabus, uh, a lot of people forget that this syllabus uh, is built upon years of research, of knowledge, and a lot of policy that is behind all this education. And having that go from conceptualization to launching an official program does actually take a, a lot of work, a lot of effort, and a lot of time. Now, with the rate that technology is moving in right now, uh, the advancement of technology, a lot of times the education system has not been able to catch up, right? So you see people learning things which are out of date already. Like by the time the university launches that course, you, and the, the first batch comes out of it, the second batch comes out uh, from that course, maybe they're still a little bit relevant, they're catching the end of the wave, but the third, fourth batch, they're no longer relevant anymore. So they're coming out with a degree that they um, essentially have no use for, right? So a lot of people have to find different ways to learn faster instead of getting just uh, going through the regular education format. And so a lot of people are learning from industry players right now, the ones who are actually doing it day to day instead of going through the traditional education system. And so you also need a way to find, uh, a, a way to give credence to the people who are not just universities, who are not just, you know, the polytechnics or the education system, the traditional education system. If you say you learn from Google, I think that would actually hold a lot more a lot more weight than say you are learning SEO from the university, actually. Because Google is the one who created SEM and SEO. I won't say, sorry, that might not be true. But, you know, <laughs> it, it is the most used uh, uh, platform right now, right? Yeah, when it comes yeah. to SEO and SEM. So who else better to learn from than Google? Right? Yeah. So they they would have a better syllabus than any university can come up with. So you have to be able to have that that kind of um, give weight to those kinds of learnings as well. And instead of going through the traditional system, which would take far too long and be irrelevant at the end of the day, NFTs and having um, you know this decentralized education system would then be able to give them the opportunity and give learners an opportunity to prove that they have the chops after going through that learning. Yeah, no, I think you bring up a very good point uh, where yeah, universities can't quite keep up with kind of the the training technology, and Web three is a best example for that. I always say, I mean, I'd say 
so like smart contract development so like solidity uh smart contracts are pretty much what like the the foundation or the the tech behind nfts and web3 that's how you kind of build nfts and stuff like that and so i always say you know what university did you graduate your solidity development degree with and it's it's kind of a joke question because no one's teaching solidity development maybe i i think i heard like a few universities are doing like broad web3 courses but it's kind of yeah the whole idea of you know all these people who using like solidity or rust to build smart contracts they're almost you know they're a hundred percent learnt off youtube they've learnt off friends they've learnt off maybe uh small kind of you know mentorship uh courses that that are going around or they're in you know web3 development courses and stuff like that i think uh Better uh, example is AI right now. Again, on the like development side, uh, like you know, looking at vector databases and large language models, which these AIs are built off. No, no, no universities are teaching these, and so you do kind of see the importance of these kind of more uh, decentralized educational methods, such as such as Freelancer One Hundred One. Yeah. And um, I think one thing you and I have talked about Yinling and we definitely have to bring up uh, in this convo is Credly. Uh, so a lot of people haven't heard of Credly. If, you, if you're listening to this, definitely give it a Google, C-R-E-D-L-Y. But that's basically the best example of what we're kind of talking about in terms of on-chain credentials at the moment. Credly aren't actually Web3. They're strictly Web2 at the moment, but I have a so inclination that's probably going to change uh, in the near future but on credly for example you can search uh, web development and you're going to get probably hundreds of different badges uh, i think they call them of different kind of web development courses offered by you know hundreds of different kind of uh, companies or or communities and the same goes for pretty much any skill you know uh, marketing community management and so the second half again of that question is you can have your badge, but then how can you actually display that? And so Credly have partnered with Upwork. And so on Upwork, you are able to show uh, a Credly badge. So yeah, so you know, when you apply to a job and a client looks at your profile, they can see that you've uh, completed a, a web development course from a specific kind of organization. And so you can kind of see uh, the groundwork of essentially what we're discussing has kind of been laid already, but I think there's a long way to go, definitely. And the future is definitely uh, for these badges to be NFTs, essentially, or on the blockchain. So I mentioned before, you know, uh, you know James here is uh, definitely a lot more knowledgeable about Web3 than I, I am. Uh, at first, when I was exploring Web3 and this buzzword going around about everything um, everything from crypto to blockchain, to Web3, decentralization, I didn't quite understand what it meant. And to me, it seemed like a money game, another money scheme that people were trying to get rich quick out of. So I I didn't put a lot of weight into it. But I think at that point of time, and this was just a couple of years ago, where uh, I know it's been around before that, but it only became a hot topic a couple of years ago and and it still seemed very abstract, right? But once 
people start experimenting enough and actually putting real life situations applications, real life applications onto it, you start to see the beauty of it. You know, like how you use badges. It's as something it's something as simple as um I I see it as gamifying, right? It's as if you're playing a game and you're going along the quest of life and uh, accumulating all these badges to to level up, basically. Uh, yeah, but how how do you do that in real life? So I I just am so fascinated with this uh, blockchain technology being applied to something as uh, seemingly boring, you know, as education. And, and something that you didn't think would be able to merge together. I think when I thought about blockchain technology um, in the first place, I didn't think about education and how we could apply it over there. It was really more of a financial tool at that point of time. Um, but yes, with Credly and this batch system, it suddenly so many opportunities starts to open up. And I think everybody will then be able to see the value of decentralizing education as well as how to apply this blockchain technology to everyday life. I'm just going to elaborate on, I feel like people listening might be like, why does the, why do these badges have to be NFTs? Why can't it just be, uh, why can't it be, you know, strictly web two? And I'd say the main answer to that is, um, the whole kind of connect wallet, right? Connect wallet is essentially your username and password for web three. It's kind of like your identity. And so all these NFTs will essentially be mint, uh, minted uh, or bought into your wallet, right? And so let's say in three years, LinkedIn's woken up <laughs> and uh, you can then connect your wallet on LinkedIn. It's going to scan your wallet and it's going to take any on-chain credential NFTs that you have, and it's going to display them on your profile. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I was just going to quickly say, I mean, the reason that can't be Web2 is because of the, essentially the centralization of all these different projects. You know, there's not like a way, you don't have like a connect wallet feature where with username and password, you know, if you sign in with Google to LinkedIn, how do you get these credentials over from, let's say, like another decentralized organization that you got a skill badge from? There's not really a way to do it, to do that because an NFT is on the blockchain and it has a unique, you know, the the F, the fungible, non-fungible part, meaning that only one of them is made and it's unique to you. That's essentially where the power of Web3 shines and you are able to shortcut a lot of processes uh, that Web2 kind of blocks. And I think this is like a really good uh, example of it. It's it's quite it's quite confusing to like visualize, but yeah, I hope that kind of clears <laughs> it up a little bit. <laughs> well, if I could use an analogy because, um, you know, I'm, a little, I'm still a little bit more visual in that sense. I have to relate it to what I see every day before I get it. I would see it as, well, Let's talk about cloud then. Cloud was something that was also very confusing when it first came out. I think a lot of people didn't quite understand it. But um, if I use that as an example, an analogy, uh, say I have a Android phone as well as a Mac. 
And I had this issue actually where I, I switched phones. I switched iOS and uh, OS, I mean. And um, I could not bring my contacts over from one device to the other because they did not speak to each other. <laughs> so I had to upload all my contacts up onto a cloud um, you know, third-party device before I could bring it over to the other device. And I think if you, well, correct me if I'm wrong, James, but if, if you break down this functionality of it, I, I think it works exactly the same way to me. It is basically like decentralizing it. I don't care which OS you're using. You know, I don't care which device you're using. I'm storing all my information on this this cloud up here you know, the the almighty cloud, even though it doesn't work that way. But then I'll be able to use it on any device that I want to and it is able to be read across all devices. Uh, Does that make yeah, sense? Uh, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much a similar concept, I guess, in the Web3 uh, way. It goes a step further in the fact that you can do that, but then also everything in the cloud is strictly yours and... The truth is as much as, you know, Apple say that, you know, your data is private, it's not. They own your they own your data. They own yeah, the cloud. That's right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where that's the other kind of side of web three, which is yeah. Yeah, the decentralization ownership of your data part as well. So let's take there's a very loose analogy, okay? <laughs> very loose. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But um yeah. Thanks uh, very much for listening, guys. I think that that's probably uh, where we can wrap up. Um, if you're interested in, in learning more about freelancing, definitely check out Freelancing 101. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Yinling, thank you very much for your time and for speaking today. Thank you, James. No problem. All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.